This is the third day of this November 2019 seven-day session. We'll resume reading from uh, our text, uh, the teachings of the 12th century Korean Zen master Chinul, and the, book, the name of the book is The Collected Works of Chinul, translated by Robert Buswell. Here he's talking about uh, the true mind amid delusion. And it starts with a question. If everyone is endowed with the essence and function of the true mind, how is it that sages and ordinary people are not the same? Chinul. True mind is originally originally the same in the sage and the ordinary person. That's original mind. But because the ordinary person endorses the reality of material things with a false mind, he loses his pure nature and becomes estranged from it. He endorses the reality of material things. In other words, um, accepting or um, believing that material things uh, have have some uh, ultimate substance, enduring, uh, fixed substance to them. Um, that, uh, in other words, believing in the appearance of things. There's a great line from one of the sutras, the Lankavatara Sutra, it says, things are not what they appear to be, nor are they otherwise. The materialist would just say, okay, whatever the appearance is, that's it. But Chinul uh, is saying here that uh, because such a person uh, sees the reality uh, of nothing more than appearances, uh, he loses his pure nature and becomes estranged from it. Loses it, uh, we have to qualify. He does, right here, he qualifies. Therefore, the true mind cannot appear. And here is one of the best analogies I've ever heard. It is like a tree's shadow in darkness. It exists, but it is not perceived. Well, even to say it exists is... Is there a shadow? But the tree exists. There's a tree there, but in the in the in darkness, uh, it, it, the shadow cannot be seen. So there's not no evidence of it. Or a spring flowing underground. It exists, but it is not perceived. So that's really what he means when he says. The ordinary person uh, loses her pure nature, becomes estranged from it. We can't ever lose it. We can't ever lose it, really. It's just not functioning for us. Then he quotes... uh, an uh, old master, 
between heaven and earth, within the universe, is contained a jewel. It is concealed in the mountain of form. Uh, this is a this is a in a koan in the Blue Cliff Record, uh, number sixty-two. Uh, uh, Yunmen or Umon is quoting this to his his monks. Between heaven and earth, through space and time, there is one treasure hidden in the mountain of form, uh, the world of form. And then he goes on to say, pick up a lamp and go into the Buddha hall, take the temple gate and place it on the lamp. It's a tough, tough koan. Where is this one treasure hidden in the mountain of form? It's right here. Every person here is manifesting it, mostly without knowing it. Chinul continues, this refers to the true mind amid entanglements. Entanglements, of course, are thoughts, concepts, systems of opinion and views, Chinu continues, furthermore, Zhu En said, ordinary people originally possess the Dharmakaya, which is identical with that of all the Buddhas. But as they are screened from it by falsity, they have it but do not recognize it. This innate Dharmakaya, which is present within the entanglements of defilement, have been given the name Tathagata Garbha, that, by the way, is the uh, means uh, true nature. And then he again, Chino is such vast, vast learning about the Dharma, reading in Buddhism, that uh, he as you can see he quotes liberally from all kinds of sources. Here, this is a this is a, a Chinese uh, Pei Shu. Um, who said, ordinary people are those who are fully enlightened the whole day long without ever knowing it. We could say the so-called unenlightened people are those who are fully enlightened the whole day long without ever knowing it. Therefore, Chinua continues, we know that even amid the troubles of the dusty world, the true mind remains unaffected by those troubles. Like a piece of white jade, which has been thrown in the mud, its color remains unchanged. Here, the next question has, uh, is, is quoting Xuanzi, the uh, Taoist, the great Taoist. Uh, 
The mind's heat is like blazing fire. Its cold is like frozen ice. Its speed is such that it can pass beyond the four seas of the world in the twinkling of an eye. In repose, it is like a deep pond. In movement, it flies far into the sky. This, indeed, is the human mind. That's uh, Shuangzi. And then the question is, this is Shuangzi's statement concerning the fact that the ordinary person's mind cannot be controlled or subdued. We are not yet clear, however, through which Dharma method the Zen school proposes to gain control over the deluded mind. And Chinu replies simply, the deluded mind can be controlled through the Dharma of no mind. I was a little surprised to hear this, these words of Shuangzi uh, presented as uh, him saying that the ordinary person's mind cannot be controlled or subdued, as if, as if it's a negative thing. It doesn't sound so bad. Its, it's speed is such that it can pass beyond the four oceans in the twinkling of an eye. In repose, it is like a deep pond. In movement, it flies far into the sky. But uh, it's presented here as something uh, that causes us trouble. And then Chino said, the deluded mind can be controlled through the Dharma of no mind. And the question, a follow-up question, if people have no mind, they're the same as grass or trees. Please give us some descriptions so that we can understand this idea of no mind. Chino when I said no mind, I did not mean that there is no mind essence. It is only when there are no things in the mind that we use the term no mind. It's like speaking of an empty bottle. We mean that there is no thing in the bottle, not that there is no bottle. We do not say that it is empty to express the idea that it is made of no material. So uh, the phrase no mind is, is very much uh, very widely used in Zen, but it is not quite the same as mindfulness. Mindfulness is a, is a wonderful thing to develop, and we do through Zen practice. But... Uh, as, as, as nearly as I can tell from, every, from my own experience and everything I've ever read and heard, uh, it's this no mind, this, this realm of um, an empty mind, a, a mind of no thought, that is what leads to awakening. You can be mindful as, as the devil and uh, never come to awakening.
no mind is a is a, the the result the effect of concentration which is not quite the same as we said yesterday not the, quite the same as mindfulness you can be so deeply absorbed in a koan or anything really uh, that you are not aware of what's going on around you there's a there's a uh, some words that are uh, quoted in the the uh, texts of chinese masters uh, that say one who is working on mu does not see the ground when she lowers her head nor the sky when she raises her head that can't be mindfulness but that's a very promising state uh, it's a it's a it's a, a kind of samadhi state that uh, is just one step away from awakening And then Chinu again quotes a master, a previous master. This is a uh, Toksan or Deshan. He's in figures in a bunch of koans, and this is what Toksan said: If you have no concerns in your mind and no mind in your concerns, then naturally your mind will be empty yet numinous, calm yet sublime. If you have no concerns in your mind, okay, that's easy enough to appreciate, and no mind in your concerns. So your your concerns, such as they may be, uh, are like no concerns. They're not sticking. There are many reasons to have concerns in our lives, uh, in terms of future, future events, or even daily, little less troubling things, daily things. But if we uh, don't dwell on these things, uh, then it's as, as if there, there, there are no concerns. It's like pain. Pain while we're sitting, pain in the legs, ankles, knees, hips, shoulders, back, neck. <laughs> Fill in the blank. Uh, it's when we are completely absorbed in our practice, then we are not apart. We are we are one with the pain, and and then that pain is is as though no pain. If this sounds like uh, some just fancy talk, try it. Become completely absorbed in your practice, and you'll see that that. Pain changes, it, and it's and it's the, your your experience of the pain will change. It may still be there, but it's not the same. It's not the same problem. It's there, but it's not there. This is the power of of a concentrated mind to change our experience without having to eliminate problems. 
then Chinu says, it is mind in this sense that is meant here. Accordingly, we refer to the absence of the deluded mind, not to the absence of the true mind's sublime functioning. Once you've confirmed that you can change your experience of physical pain while sitting, once you've uh, learned how to do that, then it transfers to any kind of adversity in our life, emotional pain, um, and, and all other kinds. We don't have to try to reach some kind of imaginary pain-free realm in order to change how we experience adversity, difficulty. Question. We have heard that those who have seen their true nature transcend birth and death. However, all the ancestors of the past had seen their true nature, and yet they all were born and they all died. Nowadays, we see that those who are cultivating the path are born and will die too. So how can we leave behind birth and death? And then Chino. Birth and death are originally non-existent. They exist because of a false notion. It is like a person with diseased eyes who sees flowers in the sky. Anyone, anyone can do this, too. Just uh, press gently against your, your eye, your eyeball, over the lid, and uh, you can create this, this illusion of, of uh, filaments or flowers in the sky. If a person without this disease says there are no flowers in the sky, the afflicted person will not believe it. But if his disease is cured, the flowers in the sky will vanish naturally, and he can then accept that they were non-existent. Although the flowers he sees have not yet vanished, they are, in fact, still void. There's no substance to them, in other words. It is only the sick person who takes them to be flowers. Their essence does not really exist. Except in, the fa- in, the, in, the, in their essence. He continues, In the same way, People wrongly assume that birth and death exist. If a person free of birth and death tells them that birth and death are originally non-existent, they will not believe him. I would say probably most people here find this hard to believe. But one morning, if delusion is put to rest and birth and death are spontaneously abandoned, they will realize that birth and death are originally non-existent. 
It is only when birth and death are not yet ended that, although they do not really exist, they seem to exist because of the false conceptualization. There's a saying, uh, maybe it was Dogen, who said, if there is Buddha in birth and death, there is no birth and death. Remember, Buddha means awareness or awakened awareness. Question. Once delusion is brought to rest, as explained previously, true mind will appear. But as long as delusion has not been extinguished, should we use only the no-mind practice to bring delusion to rest? Or are there other methods to counteract all delusion? So you see here, he's, he's distinguishing between delusion brought to rest and delusion extinguished. And in Chinu, the primary practice and secondary aids are not the same. To extinguish delusion with no mind is the primary practice. To train in all wholesome actions is the secondary aid. So, um, second, the uh, wholesome uh, wholesome actions. Uh, well, this would start with. Uh, living, living in accordance with the precepts, uh, not not causing unnecessary pain. Um, but beyond that, it's other supportive practices to the the root practice of no mind. Other ones like uh, the rituals, uh, ceremonies, bowing, and uh, devotional practices, uh, chanting. Uh, these are what he's talking about with uh, the secondary aids. It's not the root, but it is uh, the leaves and the branches, which are an important part of the tree, a full, fully healthy tree. But then he uses a different analogy here. It is like a bright mirror which is covered with dust. Okay, That's the ordinary person's mind. Even though we rub it with the hand, we still need a good polish to make it lustrous. Then and only then will its brightness show. The dust is defilement. The force of the polishing hand is the practice of no mind. And the polish is all the wholesome actions. And the shine of the mirror is true mind. In another uh, another text, uh, 
of Korean of teachings of a Korean Zen teacher. Uh, we read that uh, in a typical Korean uh, Zen zendo, uh, there is no Buddha on the altar, but instead a mirror. Not not to look in. I, I assume it's high enough that you're not seeing yourself in the mirror. That could just be um, a little disconcerting. But uh, showing this symbol, this ancient symbol of our true nature, our our lustrous true mind that uh, has no images itself, uh, but reflects all images, has no form in itself. Our true nature is fundamentally formless, but it reflects all forms, all phenomena. Another question. When true mind appears, how do we know that it has matured without obstructions? Chinu. Although the true mind might manifest to those who are training on the path, if they have not yet eliminated their habit energies, they will occasionally lose their mindfulness when they encounter matured objects. It is like a herdsman who has trained his ox to follow obediently, but still would not dare to lay down his whip or tether. He must wait until the ox's mind is fully trained and its pace steady, so that even if he guided it through a field of tender young rice sprouts, it would not harm the rice paddy. Only then would he dare to loosen his grip. At that stage, even though he does not use the whip or tether, the ox would not injure the young sprouts. It is the same for one on the path. Even after she has realized true mind, she has to strive to maintain and nurture that realization in order to obtain great power and function. Then and only then, will she be able to benefit sentient beings? So this is a point, a very, very important point that, like Roshi Kapo, I've made in many, many Teishos, is uh, that awakening does not transform our lives. It, It establishes the basis for transforming our lives. It's a seeing. It's not an absolute purifying of these stubborn, uh, deeply entrenched uh, afflictions. And that's something that takes long, many years of practice after awakening. Unless, I suppose, uh, one came zip right into full enlightenment. But... Uh, 
haven't heard of that ever happening. Uh, Siddhartha himself, according to some accounts, he had already had previous awakening experiences before he sat beneath the bow tree, cross-legged. When all is said and done, the business of practice is working with our habit forces. I guess I, uh, I this is an article in the, in the current Zenbo that I, I did on this. It's, it's this ongoing challenge of, uh, of, of purifying the mind-body of these forces that have built up this momentum, these these uh, forces of reactivity to people and to situations, uh, as a, as a Japanese uh, Zen master put it, we have to melt the frozen block of emotion thought. Seeing into this true nature is uh, so important because it means that we will never take this block of emotion thought as seriously again. We'll see that this block is a no block. It's a, it's a, um, it's an illusion ultimately, but it's one that has some power to push us this way and that, to pull us by the nose when we know uh, we don't want to be doing something because it just leads to pain for others, for ourselves. So that's the work. Habit energy, reactive forces, karma. And it begins, that work begins with noticing these things as they arise, catching ourselves early. Question, when true mind, when the true mind and the deluded mind are involved with the sense spheres, how can we distinguish the true from the deluded? Chinu, when the deluded mind is in contact with the sense spheres, it knows through discriminative awareness. It gives rise to greedy or hateful states of mind, depending on whether pleasant or unpleasant objects are present or else it gives rise to ignorant states of mind when neutral objects are encountered. Since the three poisons of greed, ill will, and delusion are produced because of these objects, it is easy to see that the mind is deluded. And he quotes uh, Sang San from Affirming Faith in Mind, to founder in dislike and like 
is nothing but the mind's disease. Chino comments, Consequently, we know that it is the deluded mind which sustains the dichotomy between right and wrong. And then he switches to our true mind. As far as the true mind is concerned, it knows while knowing nothing. Because it is impartial, quiet, and utterly radiant, it is different from the nescience of grass and trees. Nescience uh, means the absence of knowledge or awareness, like uh, stones or, he says, grasses or trees. It is different from the nescience of grass and trees. Since it does not give rise to feelings of hatred or lust, it is different from the deluded mind. The true mind, when in contact with the sense spheres, is empty and yet bright, neither hateful nor lustful, nescient and yet aware. So free of notions, ideas, concepts, thoughts, So when, when Bodhidharma in that encounter with the emperor in uh, China and in the five year 500s, when he was asked, who is it who's standing before me? When the em- emperor asked, who's standing before me? He said, I don't know. He had to say, I don't know. So again, he says, to repeat this important statement, as far as true mind is concerned, it knows while knowing nothing. But that's different than uh, the knowing nothing of um, not knowing uh, the capital of Paraguay or not knowing what the 25th chemical is in the table of elements. Those, those are facts. This not knowing is, is a realm of absolute purity. But, but pure awareness, wide open. In that respect, there is, there is some overlap with the uh, not knowing of an animal. Animals have this tremendous awareness. They have to, to survive. But it's not a knowing of things. It knows while knowing nothing. It's our knowing so much that gets us into trouble. 
over and over again throughout our lives, or rather thinking we know something. This cluttering of the mind with stuff we have picked up here and there, misusing it, having it complicate our lives so much. Yes, there's a place for knowledge. It has its place. But most people have their mind is clogged with ideas and concepts, thoughts that have no real use at the moment, whatever the moment is. Question, what is the normal mind? Chinu, all people possess a point of numinous brightness which is still like space and pervades every region. When contrasted with mundane affairs, it is expediently called the numinal nature, as is in contrast to uh, the phenomenal nature. When contrasted with formations and consciousness, it is called the true mind. As it is without a hair's breadth of differentiation, when it encounters conditions, it is unobscured and free from even one thought of clinging or rejection. Whatever it encounters, it accepts. It does not follow after the myriads of objects even though it follows the flow and reaches the marvel, it never leaves the stillness of its abiding place. If you search for it, you should know that you will not be able to find it. Why not? We search for it. How can we not be able to find it? Well, this is a line in, uh, in uh, Harmony of Relative and Absolute. This indeed is the true mind. How can we find, through searching, what we are? As if it's an object separate from us. Uh, there is a koan in the Mumonkan where the young Joshu asks his teacher, Nansen, uh, what, is, uh, what is my true nature, basically? And Joshu says, ordinary mind is the way. Ordinary could also be translated as, this, as it is here, normal. The character for it's often translated as ordinary can also be translated as normal. True mind. That brings us to the end of this chapter, so we'll stop now and recite the four vows, if we can remember them. You no, know, I uh, 
yesterday as I was about to introduce them, what all that came to mind was all Buddhas, like all Buddhas, Bodhisattva, Mahasattvas. I'm looking around. I see all Buddhas. Okay, here we go. All beings without number, I bow to liberate endless blind passions. I bow to uproot dharma gates beyond measure. I bow to penetrate the great way of Buddha. I bow to attain all beings without number. I bow to liberate endless blind passions. I bow to uproot dharma gates beyond measure. I bow to penetrate the great way of Buddha. I vow to attain all beings without number. I vow to liberate endless blind actions. I vow to uproot dharma gates beyond measure. I vow to penetrate. The great way of Buddha, I vow to attain. <laughs>